Today on The Topic Show, Vivek goes viral when he goes on Alex Jones' Infowars, Disney to delay and reshoot Snow White, Bud Light bribery continues with their sweepstakes, Mike Johnson is the new House Speaker and goes viral in an interview, Chipotle to pass on the cost of the increase of California minimum wage to customers, Michelin is closing their Oklahoma plant and laying off 1,400 employees, the new Chevy Camaro will be a two-door EV SUV, and Ford lost $37,000 per EV sold, which helped contribute to their stock dropping 12% in a single day. All that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of November. So if you can click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Now going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Chipotle to pass on the California minimum wage increase to the cost to the consumer and bill. Now this is starting in April, 2024. California thought and their infinite wisdom to increase the maybe exodus of businesses leaving the states perhaps. Well, they thought, well, we're going to increase the minimum wage yet again. Now, so in April 2024, fast food workers employed at quick serve restaurants that have 60 locations or more in California will be eligible for a minimum wage of $20 per hour. That's up from $15.50 per hour. Now, Chipotle, the jump will be a little less jarring, they, they say, considering it already pays about $17 per hour as a starting minimum wage in the state. And... Around 15% of Chipotle's 33,300 stores are located in California. Now, they claim that the minimum wage will increase will add between 2.5 and 3% to the customer's overall labor cost, or rather the company's overall labor cost. And while Chipotle hasn't discussed the exact level of pricing that they're going to have to increase it, they have said that they cannot absorb it all. Specifically, the CFO, the Chief Panel Officer, says, quote, for consumers, it's going to be mid to high single-digit price increase, but we are definitely going to pass this on, unquote. Now, who would have thought increasing the minimum wage would exponentially, that, that would cost to be passed down to the consumer? Ah, yes, anyone with a modicum of business intelligence, or any intelligence for that matter, I know that many of those things are vacuous in most parts of California, but again, you're going to see more and more businesses just struggling to make ends meet, and more of them are just going to they'll get to a certain price point where they just choose to leave the state. We're seeing this already with most businesses moving their headquarters out of California, especially in the, even in the tech industry, which for decades have been dedicated to Silicon Valley and San Francisco. Even they are moving. So if you ask me, the time is just ticking, so to say. But again, there's nothing, many people, including myself, say there's nothing more morally vacuous and disgusting than the government saying, if you don't have a particular skill set, well... We're going to take away the ability to provide for yourself and your family, which many economists will actually argue that's what minimum wage does. If you have the minimum wage up here, but the current skill set you have when you're starting a career or you're going into a different career, that skill set is down here. Well, then you can't, the company can't hire you. They'd be bleeding money and losing money on that hire for many, a vast, great amount of time. It wouldn't make any fiscal sense. Yeah, alone when you hire any new employee, you are losing money for a brief period of time when you're, or depending on what the salary is, what the kind of the job is, or what the ROI is. 
there's a big cost to training employees, onboarding them. So it'll be interesting to see what that end result is for the consumer. And at what point do consumers say, I'm not gonna spend, I don't know what the bill is at Chipotle these days, what, 20, 30, 50, 70 bucks for a burrito or whatever they charge these days. At what price point do the consumers finally say, you know what, I'm just gonna eat at home. I mean, just take a little a modicum of effort and just make my own food at home, which is usually vastly cheaper and healthier for you. Or maybe they'll go to a competitor or realistically, maybe they'll just leave the state of California as many people have been doing, especially the past 48 months as they go to other states that are much more business friendly and don't have income taxes as well. So it'd be interesting to see, let me know, is there a certain price point? When would you stop buying burritos? When you, would you stop buying fast food? I say fast food because that's pretty all encompassing. Depending on how you ask, you'll get 12 different answers for they consider fast food. But at what price point do people just say, you know what, we can't afford to do this. This has gone from a convenience to a luxury, which I would argue the whole thing is also a luxury in and of itself because you don't really need fast food to begin with. But nevertheless, let me know in the comments, at what price point would you say, I'm not buying Chipotle anymore? Be fascinating to hear what you have to say. Other interesting business news, you have Michelin closing their Oklahoma tire plant and laying off 1,400 workers. Now, a lot of people don't realize Michelin, they're, they're not an American company in terms of being headquartered in the United States. A great way to remember Michelin, and from an engineering perspective, I greatly admire their expertise and capabilities. They were the company that many people say wasn't possible. They engineered the tires needed for the, the Bugatti Veyron, or however you want to pronounce it, Bugatti Veyron, where it is able to achieve and break numerous speed records, being the fastest car, production car in the world when it first came out. I believe that was around 2008. I'm not too specific on the intricacies and all the fun facts about Bugatti because as awesome as it is with having a W16 engine, it's only got two pedals. There's no manual transmission in that thing. It's still automatic, so eh. My, not my cup of tea. Not that I could vastly afford one. Although perhaps the Lego model. I don't know. Those are still about a thousand bucks plus these days. Nevertheless, it is fascinating to see that Michelin does have some great engineering capabilities to make the tires needed to withstand all the stress to, to hit those types of speeds. Now, in terms of the country of origin, a great way to remember Michelin in terms of where are they headquartered? How, how could we possibly remember this? Now, a good way to remember it is the Michelin Man. Their mascot is a monster made of Michelin tires, and the mascot is entirely white. Now, when you think of things that are entirely white, think of a blank piece of white paper. Now, you're gonna keep, follow me for another minute here, that blank piece of white paper that also looks like a flag, presumably the surrender flag, that, correlates perfectly with France, a country that has surrendered more wars and conflicts than you could possibly count. I believe the only war they've ever won is the one in which they fought themselves with the French Revolution, which you also debate, they also lost. But nevertheless, that's a good way to remember, where's Michelin headquartered? France. They're headquartered in France. Now, they do have facilities throughout the whole globe. Truth be told, my little Honda Civic, which I love because it does have three pedals, as all cars should by default. Now, I was actually fascinated to see that it came with Michelin pilots, because of a specific mile number, but it came with Michelin tires from the factory. And interestingly enough, they're actually made in Germany. So they have factories throughout the globe. It's a huge global company. And in terms of this specific plant that they're going to be closing, they claim that the decision is resulting from, and this is a quote from them, cheap foreign imported tires from, or sorry, this is a quote from Breitbart news article. They say that the decision comes from short, cheap foreign imported tires from low wage countries as they flood the United States market. Now, they continue to say that the plant has produced passenger tires for more than five decades, dating back to 1970, 
and is a vital employer for the community of 25,000 residents and is conveniently situated between Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and Dallas, Texas. Now, when asked for comment, Michelin did put out a fancy news briefing to everyone to reference, and this is straight from the horse's mouth, or in this case, the Monster Tire Man, where they call that guy. Michelin Man is his real name, which, eh, it's not bad of a name. Nevertheless, this is Michelin's statement. They say, quote, North America's passenger vehicle market is changing rapidly and profoundly. Despite substantial investments over the past five years to improve technical capabilities and competitiveness, Michelin has concluded that the Ardmore factory is not equipped to deliver tires at competitive costs that will meet these evolving market demands in the coming years. Continuing investments to modernize the Ardmore plant would negatively impact other U.S. sites in the network. And for some weird reason, it says in parentheses, emphasis added. So perhaps they were really enthusiastic about that last part of the situation. Now, they say that initial layoffs will begin mid-2024, with plans to fully close the plant by the end of 2025. Though unmentioned by Michelin executives, the American manufacturing plants continue to struggle to, to struggle as a result of the United States free trade policies. Which, if you're watching the whole episode, really, the last segment was talking about how Chipotle is increasing their cost of actual food because the state of California has increased their minimum wage to $20 per hour for fast food, which is also known as ridiculous. Well, another issue is when it comes to the global economy and how everything is interconnected these days is the United States people elect politicians and many times the politicians pass laws that are detrimental to business and are anti-competitive on a global level. And in this case, they're talking about the global wages and other countries, they're saying specifically countries such as Thailand, Mexico, Indonesia, workers earn 10 to $25 per day and when you take into account even the vast cost to ship them, again, it's not, it's not a cheap thing to ship materials across the globe, but at the end of the day, it's vastly cheaper to do it somewhere else because those other labor laws are much more lax. Now, the United States is usually pretty darn good with technology. That's why most technology companies are headquartered in the United States. And in terms of the Michelin plant, they said, interestingly enough, it sounded like it wouldn't even be worth it to put new machines in. Now, Perhaps this is because the new machines would be too complex or too large or too too hard to retrofit a specific built plant. But again, it'll be interesting to see, do they put a new plant there somewhere else in the United States to make them here? Now, in terms of Michelin making tires in the United States, that will continue, I suspect, partially because of DOD contracts and other government contracts, which stipulate in order to sell to the U.S. government, it has to be made in the U.S. So there will always be some part of the segment, and they don't just make car tires, they also make airplane tires or tires, you know, airplane landing gears, as well as a myriad of other vehicles. So I suspect Made in the USA from Michelin isn't ending because of this one plant. And they say it's also because of a couple of these trend, shifting trends in consumer vehicles. Now, in terms of the increase of imports, they noted that last year foreign imports of tires increased as more than 164 million passenger tires were imported in the United States. Up from 100 and 151 million passenger tires imported to the U.S. in 2021. Now, this is despite efforts by the federal government to rely less on China, which they, interestingly enough, they're only able to import 2.7 million passenger tires in the U.S. market. So that's fascinating because usually when we talk about global economy, the big elephant in the room, or perhaps the big dragon in the room, a better appropriate metaphor, is usually China. They have a huge manufacturing capabilities, and, and it's one of those things where more often than not, when you're talking about imports and having products come in at a cheaper price point, that's usually the culprit that most people talk about. Now, 
in this case, that's a very, almost a negligible market share in terms of 2.1 million tires came from China, but 164 million came in total. So it'll be interesting to see again, as all these vehicles start to continue to transform, will we get to the point where manufacturers start to make their own tires? One of the biggest profitable things for these tire companies are the OEM relationships in which they sell directly to the automotive manufacturers and they come, obviously they come on the vehicle. Unless you buy a Porsche, then you have to pay extra. Ha, automotive joke because they upcharge for a lot of things to customize the vehicle. Though I still respect them because they still have the courteous thing to do in terms of listening to consumers and making something with three pedals. As all cars should by default because the manual transmission is awesome. I highly recommend it. Actually, I can't recommend it enough. Let me know in the comments, do you think Michelin will expand in a different state? And do you think Americans care where the tires are made that they put on their vehicles? That's another thing that usually drives the economy is what's, what's the consumer thinking? Where do they care? Do they have a perceived value that's made in the USA, which for some items I would argue are infinitely more durable. And I also would like to support local businesses. So it'd be interesting to see what's the average person thought in return in regards to, you know, where they're going to put out of their vehicle. Do they have a preference in terms of country of origin? And will this trend turn around? Right now, it seems that the number of imported tires are increasing exponentially throughout the years. It'll be interesting to see what the trend is long term. Of course, you know me, as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting business news and sad news. The Chevy Camaro 2025 will be back as a, I'm sorry, I, I almost threw up in my mouth, an EV, SUV with two doors. That's, that, a more awkward convoluted sentence has not been spoken on this show, I do not believe. Though, let me know in the comments, I'm sure you might have a difference of opinion. Now, the Camaro was beloved for being one of the best pony cars. I mean, it subsequently lost the pony car wars because General Motors has killed the product multiple times, but it was one of the best things you could get with a V8 and a manual transmission. I recently went to the track and someone had the new, I say new, it was the model year 2024, Camaro ZL1 with a, it was a hand-built V8, I believe it was hand-built in Michigan because it had a little plaque on it, and had a nice manual transmission. Nice carbon fiber accents everywhere. It was a marvel of engineering. It was amazing. And you look at the sales figures for this year in terms of how many people are buying the real Camaro. It's about double last year. I suspect partially because people know this is the last year they can get the great Camaro with an internal combustion engine. You know, the pony car we fell in love with. And now it's coming back as an EV, which if you look at the trends of EVs right now, the adoption rate is, the rate at which people are adopting is decreasing over time. The early adopters are already gone. They already got the EVs they want. And now GM has continued to push forward because again, this is GM's whole vision. Mary Barr, the CEO, is very adamant. She wants Cadillac to be full EV by 2030. She wants the whole fleet. So General Motors owns GMC, Cadillac, Chevrolet, as well as Buick. She wants all, every vehicle to be all EV by 2035, which subsequently I don't think will end for the company because the company built, the company's bread and butter and also where they currently make most of the profits is from the V8s that they produce. It's a beautiful number of cylinders, and I can't help but think that'll just get better as time goes on. But they only invested, if you look at terms of where they're putting their resources, General Motors, they invested about $948 million into the new development of the new V8, which sounds like a lot. However, they're investing multiple billions into EVs. So they're all in on this new initiative. 
Now, a lot of people are saying maybe this will be interesting. Maybe it'll be successful. Like the, you do have the nice little four, oh, you say nice. Uh, again, I almost threw it up in my mouth. The, the, the original Mustang was nice. We like that. You have the Mustang Emoc, which is their EV, which did have pretty strong sales figures, but those are also starting to gather dust on dealer lots. And Ford, again, has lost thousands of dollars per vehicle sold when it comes to EV category. It's also a new category. Eventually, they'll make a profit, I suspect, if they get the cost of goods sold down enough. And over time, usually you can get that price down pretty good. But it's not exponentially successful for Ford. Tesla is still the industry leader. They have the biggest market share. And GM is doing pretty good with the Bolt, which is ironically named because it also burst into flames, which is recalled multiple times. But a very interesting thing to do is a two-door EV SUV. I say that especially because if you look historically, if you look at the manufacturers who make two-door SUVs, it's never truly been commercially successful in terms of number of units sold. I think the most famous one is probably the Chevy... Uh, no, it won't be Chevy. Probably the Ford Bronco. There's an option for a two-door. The only real two-door SUV, which, again, we could debate in the comic section, is the Jeep, which does have a two-door option, but that's still not the most popular option. It's a very niche in terms of the overall number of Jeeps sold have four doors. Now, personally, I do prefer two doors myself when it comes to a vehicle preference, but I can't help but think this is probably not going to be great. Now, it looks like in 2025, this is from Car and Driver, you say that the Camaro SUV will be an entirely new market, likely one of 30 models that GM has said to roll out plans by 2025. So they'll have 30 EVs by then. I can't imagine how many people will buy, but they'll have them on lots, presumably, maybe. And they claim it's going to start at, they estimate it's going to start at $50,000. And they may eventually have a four-door version. And they say it's still far from production. I just can't imagine anyone, again, it's very similar to Ford. They're taking a popular name that people used to know and love. They're going to slap it on a new product and hope, hope that people will just have the fond memories and they'll maybe follow it into the new one. But let me know in the comments. Would you ever buy an EV Chevy Camaro SUV? Or would you buy one that has like a V8 and a stick shift, which Camaros have had for decades? It'll be interesting to see, but to me... Rest in peace, the original Camaro, the OG, as the youth might say. Now, going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Disney delay Snow White another year and will reshoot, putting the doors back in. Now, this is pretty controversial. The main lead actress, and some might call the ugly duckling, it was the queen in the original film, I believe, or I say film, the animated story, whatever you want to call it. It was jealous of the princess's good looks. And yet, in this new one, the Queen is infinitely more attractive than the Snow White. Which, again, I know I know Logic and Disney are like oil and water. They usually don't mix, even if they try really hard. But yet another illogical part of the film. Now, a lot of people push back because Disney came out with all these images where they hired everyone but real dwarves. Which I thought was pejorative in and of itself, since you're taking jobs away from people who would benefit from them. Though you could also blame that little inkling... What was that little douchebag? Um, Peter Dinklage? He was famous for the Game of Thrones or Thrones show. 
and he says very pejorative that the dwarves would be cast in the role. So yet another example of elitism where he benefited from having that, and yet he doesn't want anyone else. So pulling the ladder buck back up behind him in true elitist form, and for him it was pretty, it's, I guess not too bad, probably not too hard to do since the ladder is really presumably pretty short. More of a step ladder that he pulled up, the ones that fold up, pretty easy to pull up behind you, which is why he did. Now, Rachel Zegler, best known for complaining about the film. She lost about $200 million in West Side Story, which is yet another lazy remake. The, the original one was great. You'll need to remake everything Hollywood. Well, we know they do, actually, because they have no original ideas. And she's best known for being insufferable with every interaction she had with the media, being complaining about the intellectual property that was Snow White, the original film, even calling the prince a stalker in the one, calling the whole concept weird, basically saying, you know, this is going to be a remake. This, this ain't the 1930s one. Which, again, that's, that's almost as dumb as going to work and to your boss's face saying, yeah, I think I don't think you're very smart. I mean, we need we need a new... Everything needs to change around here. I know barely new. I'm smarter than you. Like, no rational person would ever do that to their boss if they want to continue to have a job the next day. And yet, that's exactly what Rachel Zegler did in this instance. A unprudent decision, to say the least. Now... In the recent press, it looks like the new image, they have a photo where they have Rachel Zegler, which, thank God, I actually don't have a picture-in-picture picture right now because that might hurt your eyes. But they actually have her with a bunch of dwarves, traditional dwarves, like not the ones where, in the live action, where they release those pictures. Is There's one real dwarf, but everyone else is just a diverse, random amalgamation of tall people, different races, different genders. Basically nothing like the original film. And it looks like in the new artwork that they released, they will be more of the traditional seven dwarves, but now they're animated. Which, if that's true, now they're going to have that bastardized version of a movie where you have part of it is animated, part of it is real live action. Which, let me know in the comments, have you ever seen a great adaptation or a great example where you mix the two things together? It's, my memory's not the best, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. Granted, I know the best movies I know or like are the ones that are in black and white. Now, nevertheless, it'll be interesting to see how much money is Disney going to lose on this? Because they were about to release it, and now they're saying, oh yeah, we need, we're going to delay it about a year, and they're going to have to reshoot a bunch of stuff. It Will Disney ever make profit on movies? Is it, they've lost about $2 billion in prop, in, in, on all these recent films that they've been making, and they don't learn their lesson. So they're going to have to now sink more money than this. So this looks like they're trying to go back to the original a little bit, which I subsequently think will actually it'll probably be about the same. If they release the film now, it would lose a bunch of money. If they try to fix it, I don't know if you can with Rachel Zegler still in it, well, in that case, you're going to spend even more money. So the break-even point, instead of being here, that means it has to make even more money to break even. At the end of the day, it's kind of a good example. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. In terms of preserving the brand, I think they should just scrap the whole idea completely. But I know prudent business decisions are not things that Bud Light and Disney do. But it'll be interesting to see. Time shall tell. Other interesting cultural news, speaking of Bud Light, Bud Light robbery continues with the hashtag sweepstakes with mostly fake responses as they have their futile attempt to try to buy back some of their customers. And yet, of course it didn't work. Now, the first one is a picture, which I'm surprised. I'm surprised because 
It actually has a old white gentleman in the picture, which used to be a not insignificant part of their consumer base, and I would say their fan base. Now this one has a man in a giant's sweater, though a little false advertising saying he is not very giant. He's sitting in a regular chair, presumably. Now it has a picture of Bud Light with the little New York logo plastered on the can. And of course there's a little font, almost like a disclaimer when you're looking at a pack of smokes. And it says, the official beer sponsor of the New York Giants. Which again, full disclaimer, they're not really giant except for the waistbands over there. Now, it looks like they got a measly 53,000 views. Which again, if you're a global brand, you're looking at 53,000 views for a tweet, that's ridiculous. Not to brag, but my last post got 25 views on the Twitter. Or X, whatever you want to call it. And of the 53,000 people who viewed it, only 685 liked it. Also known as relatively nothing. And looking at all this, they just, they're probably all bots. We're going to examine two at random. First one is Erica Ann. And this is someone who has 258 followers, which they may be about 20 more than me. However, I would say I have the best quality, and I would take quality over quantity anytime. My followers are the best, bar none. Now, Erica Ann is, looks like joined in 2017, so looks like profiles me around for a while and she reposts a lot repost of halloween sweepstakes roku sweepstakes a doctor sweepstakes domino sweepstakes so again it's a it's a, a freebie troll someone who'll just retweet anything in a futile attempt to win some stupid prize that Again, I don't know what your time is worth. If, if, if this is not automated, these people are, they have no idea what the concept of time is and money is because the odds of winning are so infinitesimally small. It's just not worth your time to sign up for all these sweepstakes. You're literally just helping them build their brand. So we have a sweep, serial sweepstakes user. And I'm trying to, again, there, there are hundreds of responses. I, I can't help but think there's got to be a software or a solution where you just set up your profile to retweet for every one of these. And again, none of these are getting likes. I'm scrolling through. They, eh, wait, actually. A couple are getting one like. I wonder if that's Bud Light themselves. I'm sure if they were smart, they would do. I wish they would tell you what the likes are, who did the like, but I haven't seen that yet. Now, I'm trying to see any comments that get more than one like. Some by the name of Human, which, eh, A-plus for marketing, their profile picture is, in fact, of a human. This human says simply, no thanks. They got nine likes. T Tim Severdick said, quote, I was skimming down through the comments. I saw about 18 blue checks that had posted the hashtag, then about three or four anti-Bud Light comments. Then the page after page of requested pro-Bud Light hashtags with no, with no blue marks, so I'm wondering if this is going to work or not. It looks like Mr. Tim, oh, the page would load properly, got three likes. Someone by the name of Skeptic, ooh, A plus for marketing, they have an emo emoji of a little smiley face with the 
inquisitive raised eyebrow so they do they do look skeptical this person simply says i think these are all bots that person got 17 likes and all these other ones let's see here yeah zero and one like it has to be bud light just now that would be an interesting thing if bud light could automatically like everything that is posted on their page Probably wouldn't do that though, because like, there's a lot of negativity that they hide, which would be ironic. Oh, kind of funny if they did like their own, own critique. So that was the New York Giants one. Now, the next one is for that dolphin, for a whale. That is a dolphin. All right. So the next one is a couple of guys holding beers with the dolphin on it. It says the official beer sponsor. Of the Miami Dolphins. So yet again, a futile attempt. They got 623 likes, however, out of the 30,000 people who viewed it. And we've got sweepstakes, 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 sweepstakes. I was going to say, say that a million times. I'm not seeing, trying to see if there's anything except sweepstakes responses. Uh, somebody named Craig Rookie says, quote, haven't forgotten, still not drinking your swill, unquote. Person got four likes. And all these sweepstakes are getting zero or one likes. So that's nada. Then another one is simply another Bud Light tweet where they say, one more game, one more chance to score beer money. Reply at hashtag, you know, to win our beer, which again, is a great real life example. We usually, many times, you have to deal with metaphors when it comes to life lessons. Well, this example is a great one in which you can, you can be both a winner and a loser at the same time. Because imagine if you won a free case of Bud Light. I can't help but wonder what you would possibly do with it. There are perhaps maybe 10 legitimate ideas we've come up with in terms of use cases for what you would do with the Bud Light. And, I mean, we thought of using it as ballast if you're on a hot air balloon where if you get too high, or rather you need to go higher, you need to decrease the weight. You can actually just cut off the ballast, so you just toss over the Bud Light, or the case of Bud Light. However, it might hit someone in the head if they were standing on the ground below the hot air balloon, which would actually be less detrimental to your health than drinking the product, many would say. Now, in terms of, can't but wonder if I were to win the case of Bud Light coming from the racetrack, and I, well, no. I suppose you could use it to make a liquid on the ground to assist with burnouts? That may very well be the 11th legitimate reason we thought of of things you can do if you were to presumably win and also lose by getting a free case of Bud Light. Now, looking at the responses for this one, again, there are hundreds of these hashtags, responses trying to win a case of Bud Light. You do have someone by the name of Celeste saying, quote, no one is spending their beer money on Translite, unquote, getting nine likes, which is the top liked response thus far. Another one is by the name of Ron Fryer Tuck saying, quote, when you walk into a party holding a Bud Light, unquote, and there's a picture of many attractive women looking at them in dis utter disgust, presumably because they would not want to talk to you. Few would. Now, that person did get nine likes for their picture tweet. It's not a GIF, it doesn't move, or GIF, I believe the youth call it. My God, we might have a real response. Mr. Ben Atwell says, one more game, oh no, he's lazy. So he literally just copy-pasted the whole thing instead of just doing the hashtags. He copy-pasted and pasted the whole original Bud Light tweet. 
Though he did get two people to like it, oddly enough. And just hundreds of these sweepstakes responses. So again, Bud Light is spending a record amount of money to try to win back some of their customers. I don't think it's going to work. But let me know in the comments. If you were to, quote unquote, win a case of Bud Light, what would you do with it? Would you use it, I mean, like myself, would you use it as ballast for a hot air balloon? Would you use it to refill your toilet if you have a water outage and you still want to use your toilet? That way you just refill the reservoir with Bud Light. There are many ideas. I don't know. We might even get to 100 someday. It'll be interesting to see. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Republicans elect a new House Speaker, Mike Johnson, and he gets 1 million views on a Sean Hannity interview. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it's about 41 minutes, but we'll play perhaps a little intro for it. So, Mr. Mike Johnson says before the video, quote, it's great sitting down with Sean Hannity to discuss something unifying. This Congress needs to address the challenges of our country is facing. Watch the full interview here. It'll be interesting to see what the comment section say. And if you do have a recommendation for picture-in-picture production technology or software, I'd appreciate the feedback as I'm still trying to find one that will work seamlessly and will provide a best optimal experience. Without further ado, play the video right now. This is first interview. Mr. Speaker, how are, good to see you, sir. Thanks, Sean. Welcome to Capitol Hill. All right, two weeks ago, did you did you think... Have you gotten used to the word speaker yet? <laughs> I haven't, Sean. I've been in the job about 48 hours now, and it's kind of surreal, to be honest. I, I just want to say at the outset here, God be with the law enforcement officers that are handling that situation in Maine. Our, our prayers uh, have been with the families of that tragedy. Everyone here in the house was dialed in on that all day, and it's really something. So um, just address that at the front end. It would be We'd be remiss if we didn't mention it. Oh, already though, you're immersed in Democrats, and this happens with almost every shooting incident. The, the immediate call by the left in this country, we need more gun laws, we need more legislation. Yeah. What's your answer to that? At the end of the day, it's the problem is the human heart. It's not guns, it's not the weapons. At the end of the day, we have to protect the, the right of the citizens to protect themselves, and that's the Second Amendment. And that's why our party stands so strongly for that. I agree with the comments of, of your guests there. This is not the time to be talking about legislation. We're in the middle of that crisis right now. Uh, but I just want you to know, and I want the American people to know, that all the members of the House here are deeply concerned about the families involved and everyone. And we, we pray for the law enforcement officers that are doing that hard job tonight that most people do not have the uh, bravery to do. You talk about the human heart. If somebody really wants to kill innocent people, there's a lot of ways they can do it yeah. beyond using a gun. Yeah. Um, I'm sure this will become a bigger issue throughout the, the, the days moving forward. Uh, is there any, any specific gun law that you would look at or any new legislation you would look at? Well, been on the job for 48 hours. We'll see. I mean, there'll be lots of discussion, as there are after these heartbreaking tragedies. But your point is well taken. I mean... You know, in Europe uh, and in other places, they use vehicles to mow down crowds at parades, but they've done that here in the United States. It, it's, it's not the weapon, it's the underlying problem. I, I believe we have to address the root problems of these things, and mental health, obviously, as in this case, is a big issue, and we've got to seriously address that as a society and as a government, and, and there's lots of measures pending on that as well. You got a very warm welcome from the DNC. They said you were a, an anti-abortion MAGA extremist 
Mike Johnson. That was the, their first words. Welcome you. Well, oh yeah, welcome. Uh, to welcome the job. to the, your new job. Then they went on to say that you were the co-sponsor of insti uh, to institute an extreme abortion ban. We'll get into detail nationwide. Uh, you want to cut Social Security and Medicare. And here's some free advice from Mike Johnson, and that is, uh, don't get comfortable. We've been here before. This is the same exact MAGA extremism that the American people uh, have already rejected, and they will do it again. I thought that was the warmest welcome you could ever want from the Democratic Party. How about that? Yeah, welcome to the job. Look, they don't, they don't know me. A lot of these people don't know me. And I, I think um, if they would talk to some of my colleagues here, even on the other side of the aisle, that have worked with me for the seven years that I've been on Capitol Hill, uh, they would tell them that those things are not true. Um, give me a chance. Let me, let me have a chance to lead here, and you'll see what I'm really about. Let me ask you, because a lot of people don't know you, and before I get to some really heavy-duty questions, issues of great national importance, what do you want people to know about you? Um, there were things about you that I learned in the lead-up to this interview. Um, I, I didn't know, you didn't actually legally adopt a, a young 14-year-old, but you basically adopted him. It would have taken four years to finalize it. Um, and he happened to be African-American, and, and he was your first son. And now you have four other children. And you have one of them, well, this, this son was named Michael. The, your other 14-year-old was Jack. And you said some pretty deep, profound things that you think it is harder for your African-American son than your biological son in life. Are you saying that's institutional racism in the country, what were you referring to? No, uh, it's, it's a reality, though, having raised two 14-year-old boys in, in America, in the state of Louisiana. Um, they had different experiences, um, and, and I'm not so sure it was all about skin color, but it is about culture and society. Uh, Michael, the, the, our first, um, came from a, a really troubled background and had a lot of challenges. Jack, on the other hand, we, was raised in our household from the time he was born. And it, it just struck me, uh, Sean, that it's a reality that, you know, there are different um, there are different paths in life and people have lots of things they have to overcome. And so it, it gives you a lot of empathy. It allows you to see into the heart of people and really try to understand them better. And that, that, that comes in handy in this arena because um, we're, we're really expected to hate our uh, colleagues on the other side of the aisle and, and, and beat them all the time as enemies, politically speaking. Um, but you have to recognize that this is a, a system that was built upon disagreement. I mean, what the founders intended here in this legislative context is that we're going to come to the table with very different philosophical ideas and, and core principles, and we have to arm wrestle over that and reach consensus to move the ball forward for the American people. That's what the system is built upon, and right now people are going to their corners and they're refusing to talk. We've got to get over that. I don't know how we, we uh, reconcile a lot of these issues. You either believe in climate alarmism or energy independence. How do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile defund, dismantle versus funding law enforcement and no bail laws versus bail laws? Right. How do you reconcile secure borders or sanctuary states or cities? Uh, very controversial issues, yes. and I don't know where the middle ground is. Do you see it? There, there is uh, less and less middle ground. Over the, over the decades, the, the parties have grown very far apart. There's a wide chasm now. You know, if you rewound back 40 or 50 years, there wasn't really a lot of difference between the Republican and Democrat parties. If you compared their platforms, they Depending on you asked, I'd say, eh, maybe perhaps it's just the illusion of choice because there's a lot of Republicans in, the, in name only, which is pejoratively known as a rhino, where they say they stand for things, but they vote for difference altogether when they actually 
that when the time comes to make a difference, they don't. Which I would suspect is why we still have the NFA, also known as the National Firearms Act, and suppressors are still highly regulated when they were supposed to be treated as a regular firearm. We we're supposed to get that legislation passed when Republicans had the presidency, they had the white, they literally had the White House, the House of Representatives, and the Senate, and yet they couldn't get the Hearing Protection Act passed. So, it says a lot of interesting things. Again, the whole interview is worth taking a peek at. It's about 41 minutes long. But in terms of politics and moves on the political chessboard, if your opponent really doesn't like you, usually is a pretty good sign, so many would argue in terms of politics, that you're, you are a good pick. Now, the real question is, what is he going to do different than that McCartney, McCartney, Kevin McCarthy, rather? Again, I'm not a doctor or a scientist, but if you click subscribe, it may cure my stuttering. It might. I think it's gotten better the past couple of episodes. Let me know if you think differently in the comments. Always trying to work on that, and perhaps that is the cure all along. Now, specifically, Kevin McCarthy, many people are saying he was going to secretly fund Ukraine, which is a big political topic in the United States, as they've gotten over $100 billion in funding in both cash as well as a mixture of physical goods, being both military as well as the humanitarian, a.k.a. like food and protective blankets, stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see... What is he going to do differently, and will anything change at the end of the day, or is just more of the same? Now, interestingly enough, I mean, it's got over a million views on the Twitter. Well, 18 people do call it X. I wonder what the comments are like. Let's dive in and find out. One of the first comments says from somebody named Sandy, who gets a D minus for marketing because he—it's just a profile picture of a gentleman with not a modicum of sand on him. So not very sandy. Not even a picture of a beach. Pun. Mightily intended. Now, Mr. Sandy says, quote, You initially voted for Ukraine aid, then no for subsequent aid packages. Why did you flip? Unquote. Got 154 likes. Which, I think some might argue, perhaps it just got to that breaking point where, in the beginning, you know, you see a country in need, so instinctively they wanted to help them out, and they passed some funding. And then after a while, you realize, wait a minute, the United States is paying for the pensions of politicians in Ukraine. They're paying to help small businesses in Ukraine. But wait a minute, they're not paying to help small businesses in the United States. It seems to be the United States is doing a, picking up a lot of tabs over there. So in my three cents, again, it used to be two cents about 40-year hyperinflation thanks to politicians. Well, my three cents is that eh, I think they just saw a breaking point where it went, in his opinion, perhaps from helping to now emboldening and just pretty much picking up the whole tab, or darn near the whole tab, in terms of the aid that they're requesting and they're asking for. So perhaps that is why. But of course, when it comes to politics, you better, if you change your position on a subject, you need to have an articulate answer. So it'll be interesting to see. Maybe he'll have a follow-up interview, or again, maybe he'll address these topics head-on. But you better be able to articulate that and let the people know, this is why I changed. Not just because you suck your finger in there and go, well, which way is the wind blowing? Where are the... You know, what's the popular thing to do? Where at the end of the day, it's more important to do the right thing than the popular thing. And many times in life, those two things are very different from another. Now, another, yet another comment when it comes to Ukraine, someone by the name of Stormy Knight said, quote, No, Mike, we don't want accountability with regards to Ukraine. It is a bottomless pit. We are sick of the tired funding Ukraine with no end goal. We want border security. With two years, one of which we are now involved in, or sorry, with two wars, one of which we are now involved in, our borders have been closed down, should have been closed down yesterday. 
but hey, let's keep letting those terrorists in, unquote. Now, that specific comment got 59 likes. Which, politically speaking, is another fascinating thing in the United States. For as long as I could possibly remember in terms of the media, if you were to ask for a modicum of accountability or anything in terms of security for the border, you're called a racist, evil, more often than not, of course, they would call you an evil Republican. And now, even Democrats are calling for a southern border. Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, which previously emboldened the situation by saying they were a sanctuary state, please send everyone here. Well, as soon as they started to actually show up there, then he switched very, very quickly on that position. And of course, the mainstream media did not call him a pejorative Republican or anything like that. They just let him be a hypocrite like most politicians are. They don't get called out depending on what side of the aisle you're on. Now, diving back into the comments. Let's see here. Here's a really popular one. It's got 443 likes. It's from Leonidas K, which, a little disappointing, it is not Leonidas from the 300, so it is not Gerald Butler as some might have thought. Though he does have some facial hair. So, a little, real, perhaps a little redemption. Now, Leonidas says, quote, Shows who you are. Sean Hannity is not a serious journalist. He's a far-right, fear-mongering conspiracy theorist who's been held accountable and settled a suit for lies and propaganda, including that Hillary Clinton was responsible for the death of Seth Rich. He's a clown, unquote. Again, they got 443 likes. And for the record, Hillary Clinton is completely innocent. I love lie life would never end it prematurely. It's suspicious how all her enemies just happen to disappear and die. Coincidence, I'm sure. Completely coincidence. I, I think she's great. Totally not corrupt. Totally, totally safe. To um, disagree with her. Anyway, back to the comments. Someone by the name of Banana Republic Justice Swan, which gets an A plus for marketing because their profile picture is of a swan, and it is presumably in the Banana Republic. Now, this swan, which perhaps evolution has gone even further, is this swan really typing? Is it a real swan? Perhaps. This. Alleged Swan says, quote, can't wait to see how many things you ev views evolve on now that you can take your America first mask off and service your masters in the defense industry and Wall Street, unquote. Emperor's got 195 likes. Someone by the name of AMC2Moon says, quote, can we stop sending money to other countries, unquote. Emperor's got 261 likes, which... I'm not too surprised so many people agree with that because I believe a lot of Americans agree with that sentiment as well, including myself. Now, the, the issue is with the U.S. dollar. The thing that people, I think, sometimes forget to take into account, one of the reasons we keep sending money all over the globe is so that they use our currency to artificially make our currency worth something. There's a reason in order to buy oil, you first have to exchange your currency that you actually work hard for for a fiat currency in the United States, which we basically just print out of nothing. Another topic for another time, perhaps, and quite concerning that other countries are moving away and using other currencies, which is not going to be good for our economy long term. But another topic for another time. Someone by the name of Lady Lady Heidi saying, quote, Mike Johnson, you're demanding proof of what American citizens' taxes were spent on in Ukraine. This is good. The problem is, you said you think we all want more tax dollars to go to Ukraine when clearly the vast majority of Americans do not. That is a problem, unquote. She got 181 likes. Now, interestingly enough, let me know in the comments, should we continue to send more money or increase the rate at which we send money to the Ukraine? 
I can't help but think, as this has become a very political issue, it may very well be a 50-50 split between people who do want to send more money to Ukraine and do not. As right now, well, it might be even a little bit dicier than that when it comes to the breakdown percentages, as even within the Republican nominee party, as they're trying to get the nomination for the Republican primary to be to attempt to be the U.S. presidency, well, even those discussions are divided. They're not all one or the other. So it would be interesting to see what is the actual percentage of Americans who want one versus the other. Let me know in the comments, what do you think we should do with all the American dollars we print? Someone saying, or the, rather the profile picture name is, not your minion, saying, quote, no more Ukraine money, Mike. It's a major reason we wanted McCarthy out, unquote, and out was in all caps. So they mean business. This person got 193 likes and can't but think we're kind of seeing a theme here. Mr. J.D. Sharp says, quote, focus on America, our border, the prices of goods, the small businesses, the schools, the safety of our streets, the overall life of Americans, because it's absolutely terrible now, unquote. Person got 371 likes, which again, yes, it would be nice if we were to focus on those things. And again, the price of goods, stop, many people would say, it's not good to keep printing money and causing inflation including myself. Someone by the name of Raven in the Flight, which does have an emoji picture of a raven in their profile picture name. However, the picture of the person is actually a person. So is it really a raven or is it a person? Or is it raven from that, what is it? Oh, what is that old little cartoon? Is it not Space Invaders as a video game? Nevertheless, there's something in Cartoon Network was it Teen Titans? Some cartoon had that. Maybe that's the cartoon actor. Nevertheless, this person just simply said, no more funding Ukraine. Got 44 likes. Let's see here. Jim Alman said, quote, did Hannity tell you everything should run according to him, unquote? Getting 77 likes. A lot of people say, Wow. Sarah Rose, who gets an A-plus for marketing because not only is it a profile picture of a woman who looks like a Sarah, but in her profile picture name, it does have an emoji of a rose. And while I'm not a fan of emojis too much, that is quite apt from a marketing perspective. So, A-plus Sarah. Now, Sarah Rose simply said, quote, no more money to Ukraine, unquote. She got 1,000 likes. So looks like, and I'm trying to see if there's a... Any more different ones? Uh, Real Phil Jones says, quote, close the border, defund the 87,000 IRS agent, release every minute of the January 6th tapes, no more money for Ukraine. He got 696 likes. And I'm trying to see if there's anything. A lot of these are very similar in critique. And there's a couple of people praising him, saying what they want him to do. I'm trying to see if there's any. Let's see here. Someone by the name of Gaze for Trump. This profile picture or is picture is just of Trump. I don't see the gaze, so maybe C plus for marketing is a picture of Trump, which is half the profile picture profile name. But nevertheless, the profile by the name of Gaze for Trump says, "Quote: Why do you now support sending more money to Ukraine?" Unquote. Getting three hundred thirty-nine likes. So let's see. We'll do a moment. Spitfire, she simply says, stop funding Ukraine and start peace talks. She got 740 likes. 
So I think that will be one of the top topics, so to say. Somebody named George said, do an interview with Tucker. No one cares about this handy guy, unquote. He got 864 likes, which, yes, many people who are traditionally, I would say who traditionally identify themselves as a Republican or perhaps Libertarian who used to tune in to Fox News, they've subsequently quit indulging, oh, I don't know how many people truly indulge in the experience of Fox News, perhaps just tolerate or tune in to Fox News, and they've gone on elsewhere to Tucker Carlson, specifically as his popularity exponentially increases in viewership count. It's one of those instances where I think the mask kind of fell off a little bit for Fox News, where a lot of people realized, wow, they, they really aren't what they purport to be, publicly speaking, as a lot of their internal trainings and internal politics kind of, it's a nice way of saying released. They were um, uncovered, so to say, and they in no way embody the traditional Republican values that people thought they stood for. And I can't help but think as more and more people start to realize that Delta, the difference between what they stand for, what they purport to be, and what they actually are, and the reality, I think they're going to continue to not tune in as well. So yeah, in terms of if you want to have an interview go off the charts, so to say, you want to go get in front of Tucker Carlson because that's one of the largest audiences and it's just growing exponentially. So it'd be interesting to see how things turn out for the new House Speaker. And again, at the end of the day, what actually changes and what gets done. And I always say time shall tell. Other interesting political news, you have Vivek on Alex Jones' Infowars, I stand for revolution, he says. And of course, it went viral because it is Vivek and it is Alex Jones, the most censored man in the world. Now, this is a quick excerpt from the interview. And a bold tactic to say the least, or I believe that is something that Mad would say, a bold move, Cotton, which interestingly enough, I don't think they ever actually harvested cotton Interesting name, though, I guess. Nevertheless, sports ball metaphors aside, moves on the political chessboard, very, very unique. Very, very, some might say risky. The traditional cliche thing for every Republican is just go on Fox News, do an interview, maybe do a couple local interviews. They really don't do a lot of podcasting. They really don't do a lot of interviews. That's where Vivek is really unique. He's embracing social media more than any Republican candidate I could think of in my lifetime in terms of you do have Trump increasing his interviews when he has time for them and in terms of trying to do grassroots marketing. But going on Alex Jones, who is very is a very charged figure. People they seem to usually love or hate him. And there's a couple there's maybe two people who don't know who he is, which I, again by now I can't imagine how you don't don't know who he is. But nevertheless, going on his shows with InfoWars, that's very, very unique. It was even it's even more unique, I would say, than Alex Jones actually coming on to Vivek's interview show. So to actually go on InfoWars, I think in terms of movies on the political chessboard, this is a great way to win libertarian candidates, or rather libertarian voters. A lot of people in the middle who, they don't tune in to Fox News, they don't tune in to Tucker Carlson, they don't tune in to CNN or MSNBC. This is a great way to address that market, I think. And... When it comes to the quote before the video, and if you do have suggestions for the video and video production, I greatly appreciate it because I'm trying to find some new technology that will enable that. I've tried a couple, but they're not very intuitive. And truth be told, the camera actually doesn't work for the specific software suites I've attempted. So if you have suggestions, I appreciate the feedback. Now, before the video, Vivek types out, he says, quote, we don't have 20 years left. Stand, stand for incremental reform. I stand for a revolution. And 
perhaps it's dyslexia, I didn't read that right, so I'll actually repeat it. And what he actually said was, some stand for incremental reform, I stand for revolution. And he did also use the emoji of the American flag, which revolutionary flag would have also been acceptable. Or perhaps the original 13 count, nevertheless, is a good emoji, I'll take it. And it's only about two and a half minutes. So without further ado, I will play. And to his detriment, some might say, Vivek, unlike most times, he did not suit up, as every man always should, because that's how you look best. However, it is a respectable turtleneck, and many would actually say a tactical turtleneck. Archer approved. How do we take out the deep state nonviolently? Yeah, so you got to get in there and have somebody who understands the Constitution. We have the current Supreme Court right now that agrees with me on this. 75% reduction in the number of federal bureaucrats that happens instantly. Shut down agencies one by one. IRS, FBI, ATF, Department of Education, Nuclear Regulatory Commission, CDC. You can't reform them, right? Other, other Republican candidates will think they're really novel when they say fire Christopher Wray. That's the least of it. It's a sideshow. It's the machine underneath. You have to shut it down. So against that back... That statement just won him thousands of libertarian votes. I mean, especially in the Second Amendment community, there have been people talking about trying to vote someone in to get rid of the ATF for decades. Shoot, shoot, ever since the inception of the actual program or the agency, which disarms and kills, well, let's just say, um, look up Ruby Ridge and Waco, the Waco incidents in uh, Waco, Texas, and let me know what you think. But nevertheless, these statements moving on the political chessboard, very, I would say, wise strategic moves to get that audience and get those prospective voters. Backdrop. The Supreme Court agrees with me right now that the duly elected president of the United States can do it absolutely with constitutional authority. So this is our window to get it right. I give Trump credit giving us that great Supreme Court. We win six to three. So this is going through the front door, shutting down agencies, lay off 75% of the federal bureaucrats, rescind a majority of those regulations that are unconstitutional coming from that deep state, this is our moment to get it right because the current Supreme Court is aligned with us. Get in there and actually, it's going to take somebody who knows that, you know, I've been a CEO. I know if somebody works for you and you can't fire them, that means they don't work for you. It means you work for them because you're responsible for what they do without any authority to change it. And I'm not going to be a passive puppet. And Article 2 of the Constitution says the U.S. president runs the executive branch of government. So, yes, that's the way I'm going to do things. Get in there. And do it, Alex, we've got to do this in the first six to 18 months. If we don't get this done and, you know, if we're not halfway to doing the things I told you by September of 2025, game over. Because if you give them time, you do this incrementally, boom, they've got you in a trap. But if you get in there quickly and don't even focus on Congress, I think that's a problem where sometimes you can get distracted as a president trying to pass legislation no you're right Congress. it's been the agencies making law and you're right about yes. the supreme court rulings they said all these agencies making law and carbon and everything is a fraud so all you've got to do is have the exactly. president put new people in or shut the agencies down you're absolutely right congress has become a a a, a vestigial creature to the bureaucracy the bureaucracy is the enemy that's exactly right so again, that got about 668,000 views in a couple days. So that's one of the most popular videos he's put out. And again, I think that's going to be a great way to capture those voters. Now, what will the comments section look like? Happy? Sad? Angry? Let's dive in and find out.
someone hilariously made a joke in which they have the old Dave Chappelle sketch from Comedy Central way back in the day where he was the man addicted to illicit substances by the name of Tyrone, I believe. And they plastered over his face a flags of Israel as well as Ukraine. And the, the text is, well, the pejorative thing is, or the thing that he says in the show is, y'all got any more of those delicious substances? In this case, it says, y'all got any more of that taxpayer dollars? Insinuating that more of your taxpayer dollars, or our taxpayer dollars, are going to those other countries. That got 19 likes, and that is looks like to be the first result, or the first feedback. Now, I do have some pejorative responses against Vivek, some by the name of Taros, and quote, Vivek on a short break from competing with Nikki Haley for quote, who loves Israel more, unquote. That person got 16 likes. Let's see here. A lot of people saying they agree, getting between one and three likes. Someone by the name of Timbo says, quote, Vivek is spot on. A reduction in government is a must. We must reduce spending, unquote. person got 49 likes. And I'd say they have a good point considering the United States spends more money than literally anyone. What's the U.S. debt up to these days? That's a great way to burst your bubble, so to say. USDebtClock.org. It's sad because it never goes down in terms of U.S. It never seems to pay off their debt. And eventually, it'll be called to be collected. Now, it goes up so quickly, by the time I publish this, it'll be inaccurate. But as of this recording, and actually it changes quite literally every second, so I'll have to do some rounding, it's $33 trillion, $685 billion, $993 million, Wait, I meant to say $994 million. So that equates to a, a debt per citizen of $100,000 per citizen or debt per taxpayer, $259,103 per taxpayer. And again, the debt just, it, it, it just goes worse and worse and worse. So we're gonna, we're gonna close that window because it's quite disappointing. Now, going on to more comments, someone by the name of, let's see here, Vox Mercus say, quote, I absolutely love what you did. No one goes near Alex, which is sort of a cowardly on its face as he's an easy target, but you continue to ignore danger zones and it shows something incredibly strong about your character and maybe it's not your time, but your time will come, unquote. This person got 23 likes, which again, I think... Is a big different. It's a huge difference between Vivek and the other Republican nominees. Well, shoot, anyone in general. How many people do you know who would go on Alex Jones's show? I mean, it's a very controversial show to say the least for many people, and a traditional politician would never do that. I can't help but imagine a traditional politician would be career suicide, because Alex Jones says some crazy stuff. It's quite concerning when some of that stuff turns out to be true, but another topic for another time, perhaps. Other interesting comments or top comments by number of likes. Let's see here. A lot of... Uh, let's see here. Somebody named Chris Saxman says, quote, That's not conservative. We had a revolution. Smacks of desperation. It's a sign he's losing, unquote. Getting nine likes. Which, again, I'll, let me know in the comments. I don't think that's necessarily a sign that he's losing. The fact that he goes on the show. Someone did... Somebody named Stun Zed had a pejorative character in which you have someone 
who an made an animated picture of Vivek and half the faces of a snake, which pejoratively is insinuating that he's a snake oil salesman. That got 14 likes. Let's see here. Let's see. A lot of people talking about Bitcoin as well. Let's see. A lot of people having the, the meme where they have Alex Jones for Speaker of the House. That got 37 likes. Let's see. Say, I would say, oh, here's a couple more that get some likes. William Schmidt says, quote, I hate this rhetoric. We need quick, decisive reform, not a new constitution, unquote. I got six likes. And again, I don't, well, I'll say again, I'll say for the first time now, I didn't hear him say anything about tearing up the constitution, just getting rid of some of those agencies, which again, those agencies were not even in the constitution. The founding fathers would laugh at the mere idea of the ATF. You're allowed to own anything you wanted when it comes to defending yourself, your family, your country back in the day. They even had someone wrote a letter to Thomas Jefferson back in the day to clarify that. And he basically, you know, in modern speak, basically said, laugh out loud. What are you talking about? Of course, you don't need my permission to own that. Because again, back in the day, you had citizens who had everything from muskets to warships to whole groups of soldiers. And again, at the time, they had the best technology in terms of arms but nevertheless, back to the comments. Someone in the name of Massimo said, quote, the most revolutionary thing you could have done was stood up to the Israelis. Zionists have been the fifth column in the country for at least 30 years, unquote. This person also used the hashtag America First. They got nine likes, which will be a controversial subject and topic is how much aid do you give to Israel, where I think many people would also articulate and believe that Israel is much more strategic to the United States than Ukraine, where geographically speaking, especially Israel is one of the few allies the United States has in the Middle East. And granted, we could debate pretty much for days on you know how much you should give and what's the appropriate level in this. But again, another topic for another time. I do think that'll be a politically divisive issue for the Republican nominee as they fight to see who will be able to perhaps run for presidency. I mean, right now, Trump is still ahead by all of them by a huge margin, but time shall tell. Let's see here. Someone by the name of 2V News said, quote, separation of education and state, abolish the IRS, abolish the Federal Reserve, end the drug war, unquote. Got 19 likes. I think those are all the comments that got more than like one or two likes as I continue to scroll. Uh, a lot of people saying, love you, thanks for being a true American. Hope Trump, a lot of people saying hope Trump pick, picks you as your VP. So I would say overall, again, you do have a couple that are against him. I'd say, uh, let's see here. A lot of people saying I 100% agree with you, Vivek for VP. A lot of people, let's see here. Uh, you do have another pejorative statement or a statement against Vivek. Someone by the name of Mikkel Angel. This says, I don't think there's one word of truth in the entire statement, unquote, gained two likes. So interesting and very unique campaign idea to go on Alex's show. And of course, it'll be interesting to see as we go throughout the next couple of days and weeks, how will this influence the polls and will this help Vivek increase in the poll? As I think this will help him reach that newer audience 
that one is usually traditionally ignored in mainstream politics. You do usually have, every once in a while, you'll have someone from the Libertarian Party, they'll nominate someone, but they really don't get a lot of traction, especially in regards to social media and actually eyeballs, you know, attention, tuning into what they have to say or their ideas. So it'll be interesting to see how many of those people have tuned into this particular episode and will they start to, re to transition their votes to the Republican Party? Again, when it comes to politics, it's really fighting for that last middle ground because you always have the extreme left and the extreme right. They'll vote for whoever has that logo or that little silly letter next to their name. It doesn't matter who's behind the Republican nominee or who's behind the Democrat nominee. They're going to vote for that person regardless. So those votes are kind of locked in already. So it really is trying to find those middle ground voters and the people who feel politically alienated, I believe, as well, to really win them over. So it'll be interesting to see. Let me know in the comments. Do you think this will be a greater net asset to Vivek or will be a greater net negative? So this, in other terms, or simply put, will this help him increase the number of people who are voting for him in these polls and then eventually become a nominee? Or do you think it'll actually hurt him and he will go down in the polls? be fascinating to see, but as I would say, time shall tell. Now, going on to, to the business blunder of the day, you have Ford lost $37,000 per EV sold, causing their stock to drop 12%. And they will also delay the $12 billion EV investment that they had up to, uh, what do you call it in baseball? Up to T, so to say? Or is that golf? Sports ball is a metaphor inserted there, nevertheless. Now, it looks like the automaker reported a higher than expected $1.33 billion loss in earnings before interest and taxes, also known as EBIT, earnings before interest tax. Now, in its EV unit, in its third quarter earnings report last Thursday, it was up from a $1.08 billion hit the segment took the second quarter. So that means Ford took an operating loss of nearly $37,000 for every EV it sold last quarter. The company has forecast for a full year stock, or for a full year loss. Again, I'm not a doctor. However, if you click the subscribe button, it may help with the stuttering. I've only ever noticed perhaps maybe two or three stutters this episode. Let me know in the comments if you see more. But I think it might be working because our subscriber count did go up earlier this week. So I can't help but think it may very well be the cure and just as reputable as a Mayo Clinic study. So do that below. I greatly appreciate it. Nevertheless, back to the statements from Ford. Now, this means that Ford took on an operating loss of nearly $37,000 per EV sold last quarter. The company has a forecast of a full year loss for Ford Model E unit, which is their EV division of the unit, of $4.5 billion. Wow. Now, Ford posted a revenue of $44 billion for the third quarter, which is an 11% increase, and they did report a $1.2 billion profit. However, the company also lost uh, the same fiscal quarter a year ago. They lost $827 million. So again, it's one of those things where everyone's talking about negotiations with the UAW and there's a lot of tentative agreements, but always make sure you're talking about apples to apples comparison. So when everyone's saying, oh yeah, that factory makes you know $28 billion a year. Okay, let me know. Is that the profit? Which, yeah, that's pretty good. Or is that the revenue? And also don't forget the government also has to steal, I mean tax these companies as well, which is why they have to worry about the interest and the taxes. Also, I was going to say the elephant in the room, GM says long-term debt they need to worry about that's racking up exponentially. Now, when it comes to Ford, it'll be interesting to see when will that division really turn a profit? That's the multi-billion dollar question for a lot of these businesses. 
you have these loss leaders where you know you make a new product and for quite some time maybe you'll lose money on it but you have a lot of the costs that you could spread a lot of the fixed costs when you're constructing a new factory a lot of the machinery the machinery can be used to make the product you can actually stretch that cost around every, all those units sold so the cost per unit actually decreases so how much infrastructure do they need to set up and how much will it take to enable them to actually make a profit on the evs at the same time as people are decreasing the adoption rate of ev vehicles a lot of them are starting to gather dust on the dealerships so it'll be interesting to see i mean how long until they make that profit and they're delaying this investment that's a 12 billion dollar investment they're putting on pause and that includes the construction of an ev battery plant in kentucky now there's also ever increasing competition from the ev perspective a lot of people don't realize this hyundai is increasing their ev presence exponentially as well as their ev battery capacity production to produce those as well so a lot of these businesses are increasing their production capabilities as more and more competition for this what some people might consider a niche market the ev segment but the early adopters they're they already bought their vehicles they have the evs so they're trying to win over the people who like myself they prefer having a vehicle that lasts a quarter of a century and a million miles also known as a japanese internal combustion engine vehicle that's why i love my little honda civic si also has three pedals manual transmission which is what every vehicle should have by default it's the most exhilarating fun experience you'll ever have i cannot recommend it enough but nevertheless let me know in the comments they lost thirty-seven thousand dollars per ev sold how long will it take for them to break even if they don't do this investment because again this investment is partially to help tee them up for success in the ev capabilities and all the production so they're putting that on pause that means the break-even point presumably is going to be pushed out even further in time and cost so let me know do you think the future for ford which again for decades well actually well over 100 years they're best known for making the internal combustion engine especially the trucks and the good old ford mustang the real mustang not the e-mock mustang ev suv and welcome we shall not speak of that we're talking about ford blue which is the original for that's the original the original part of the company the division that is profitable right now is ford blue that's the gas making company they make the internal combustion engine f series trucks they make the ford mustang that's what's making them the most profit right now which is helping fund these ev projects which again it'll be interesting to see when it will turn profit what do you think is best for the future of ford and again there's also the government pushing them to do this as well so let's say it's a perfect world where they don't have the government interference gosh that'd be nice i know this is a nice little thing thing to think about for a minute there a little dream but nevertheless what do you think is best for ford's future should they just go all in on the ev should they increase their capabilities around the hybrid technologies or do you think they should double down and increase their production capabilities for ford blue the original ford the internal combustion capabilities it be interesting we'd love to hear what you have to say but losing $37,000 per EV sold and having your stock crash by 12%, that's, that's got to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to tune in. Again, we're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of November, so if you can click that button, I'd greatly appreciate it. Also, the feedback is greatly appreciated. If you can put some comments in the videos, that's how I know how to make the production better and better. And that's how I know I do need to work on decreasing my rate of speech so it's a little bit easier to understand and how I need to work on that stuttering to make the show better and better and better. Also, liking the video may help it with the algorithm. That kind of switches it up. It's kind of mystery magic. So that might help the videos get more views and might increase the rate at which we can invest in this as well. Also, and lastly, don't forget to take the time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe, fight the good fight.